Well, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, and I'll get there in just a second, and if you are like a, a social media nut and you have to have your social media fix and you need to do that right before you check Colossians chapter 2, go ahead and open up your social media and check it out. I'll give you permission to do that so that you can be focused on this morning's message, but as you're doing that, for those of you watching online, for those of you that are listening by podcast, we, we hope at some point in the future you'll be able to be a part of what we're doing here. What makes Clover Hill a great church is one, the presence of God, and two, it's the people. And so it's always an amazing community that we have. And I just love being here every single Sunday to be able to connect and, and to be with you. And so I want to obviously wish you a happy 4th of July on this Independence Day weekend. And I always want to honor, we always want to honor those of you that have served our country and those of you that are serving our country actively right now, both families and individuals. Can we just give them a hand right now? We know... We know that many people, in addition to our military, those of you that are serving in office, those of you that are serving in some way, shape, or form, you're serving the people of this nation. May God really bless you. And I I believe that uh, God has laid a message on my heart on this Independence Day weekend, or as we celebrate it tomorrow, the message that I wanted to share with you today is called Dependence Day. And obviously, in in the spiritual light, Dependence Day is every day when we're kind of leaning on the Lord. And I truly believe that a strong church can make a nation strong. And I say that because I know that when the hand of God is over his church and his church has aligned itself with his plans and his purposes, the hand of God, the favor of God, the blessings of God, the protection of God, the anointing of God, the healing of God is released over an entire nation. And I believe that we can position ourselves to do that. And what makes a nation strong are people like you that will continue to allow yourselves, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, sons and daughters, when you begin to align yourselves with the plans and the purposes of God, much can happen in this country. I truly believe that. When we think about it, and I tell you in one breath, the promises of God, the favor of God, the power of God being released over your life, there's no one in this place that would say, I don't want that. Everybody wants that. And if we can do the things that God calls us to do, they will happen. And then in the same breath, I go to the word of God and I read what the scripture says. And this is what Jesus says. If they persecuted me, if they persecuted Jesus, and they did, they will persecute you also. If they persecuted Jesus, and they did, they will persecute you also. And so in one breath, all these promises of God are available to us. And in the second breath, Jesus is telling us that, he'll, that they'll persecute us. And so it makes you, I don't know about you, but it makes you just want to sign on the dotted line. I'm all in, Jesus. I'll do what it is that you've called me to do. All I know is that there is an enemy that continues to relentlessly pursue us. He continues to relentlessly pursue us. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't take a breather, does not take a vacation, doesn't take a rest at all. He is relentlessly pursuing you. But I do know this is that as he relentlessly pursues you, there is a God that is also relentlessly pursuing you. And the plans and the potential and the purposes that God has for you is yes and amen. And I just want to draw you into that potential and that possibility that God has for your life. When we think about the United States and we think about our country and we think about the state that we're in, what I know is this, is when you go to Farm Town USA, the farming communities, 
That's where you really get the heartbeat of what this nation is about. That's where you see patriotism at an all-time high. You see, you see it here. You see it in the big cities. But you just get a sense of the, the very fiber of what this nation is about in rural America. When you go to the bigger cities, you see a bunch of influences on the city that have come from different places. What Paul was saying in Colossians chapter 2 was something very similar to what we're seeing in this nation now. Paul was actually speaking, and just to give you a bit of a background, Paul was originally called Saul, and he was a Bible time terrorist. He was somebody that wasn't a thug, but he was influential, highly educated, and he was using that position and that power to destroy and to kill the church. At a moment in time, he has an experience with God that makes him do in a complete 180, and he begins to lean on the Lord and trust in the Lord, and he goes from trying to destroy the church to planting the church across that region at the time. And in Colossians, it's this letter that he wrote. He never actually visited the Colossian church, but there's this city called Colossae. And Colossae is, is situated in the middle of a trade route between the east and the west. And there's oriental mysticism, there's Greek philosophy and Jewish tradition that are all bearing down on this particular place. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage the church, and this is what he says. We're going to start at Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, where our focus verses are going to be in verses 6 and 7. You can follow on the screens. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him, in Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Look up here for one second. What was the last time, that, or what was the last thing that you Googled? Don't tell me, but what was the last thing that you Googled? When we're pursuing wisdom, when we're pursuing knowledge, God is saying, or Paul is saying, it's all found in Jesus Christ. You're trying to grow in your corporate career. You're trying to understand God's plan for your life. You're trying to find Mr. or Mrs. Right. You're trying to grow in your educational path or understand a family dynamic. What the Bible is saying is all the hidden mysteries of wisdom and knowledge. It's not found in books. It's not found on the internet. It's not found in conversation. It's found in Jesus Christ himself. Let's keep going. I'm telling you this, verse 4, so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. He's, he's just encouraging the church right now. And so verse 6 and 7, here we go. And now, just as, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And here's his warning in verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. What do I want you to know this morning is that a strong church can make a nation strong. I'm fully confident and I have full assurance of that. But what I want you to do is I want you to finish strong. There is a race that you and I have been called to win. And so as you're taking notes today, that's your first point. Finish strong. Jesus, maybe we don't say this enough, but there will come a point in time where Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he will return. There will come a time where he will come and he'll gather his church to be with him. And his pursuit of you, it started at conception, but it does not end at the, at the grave. There is a finish line 
there is a hell to shun and an eternity on heaven to focus and pursue. And so when we think about tomorrow, when we think about where we're headed, when we think about what we don't see just yet, I think about me and my wife, Lindsay, trying to focus on our finances. In our 20s, we did not think about retirement at all. We didn't think about retirement planning. We didn't talk to financial advisors. We didn't do any of those things. In our 30s, we've thought about it a little bit more and we've begun the planning. But as we enter our 40s now, now the time has come for us to make sure. And people say, they say, if you haven't started by now, you're going to be up the creek. So start now. And so we put a lot of focus on it. But it's difficult in, in our lives to just figure out the very things that Christ has called us to focus on when it relates to eternity when we're focusing on the here and now, we're trying to wrestle with some of the decisions that we have to do, it becomes all-consuming. And so what I want you to do is I want you to know that there's a race that we've been called to run, and I want you to finish strong. Jesus will come back. And so the second point is this. As we go back to the verse, it says, follow Christ daily. Just a reminder, verse 6, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Many people believe, many people believe in Jesus Christ, but very few follow. And if I can give you an idea of the people that are in the room right now, there are three types of people. One is a group of people where you're yet to believe. You're here and you're kind of maybe being introduced to the gospel for the very first time and you're yet to make a decision on whether or not Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the first group and all we want to do is love you and encourage you and allow the Lord to continue to draw you into his presence. The second group, which is the largest group probably, are those that believe. And then the last group are those that are truly following Jesus Christ. And so as you follow him, I want you to remind you uh, or just tell you a quick story of when I was on uh, a trip to India and so I don't know if about you, but when you're in a plane or when you're maybe in a train or maybe in a bus, do you ever get that feeling as a Christian that the person that is sitting beside you, you have this responsibility to share the gospel message with them in that window of opportunity that you've been given because that person is going to go back and they're going to save their city and save their country and change the world. And when you get to heaven, everyone's going to rah-rah and cheer-cheer because you shared the gospel. That's the attitude that I had in the plane on that particular trip. Now, I'm the guy that's sitting in the plane going, please don't let anybody sit beside me that just will keep talking and talking and talking and talk my ear off. I'm that person right now. And there's, at, there's moments, where, and I don't know why, I don't do this on purpose, but I'll grow a, a full, I'll grow a beard when I travel. I don't know why, but I'll grow a beard. And so some Christian nuthead will think that I'm not a Christian and they'll try and witness to me while I'm on the plane. Anyways, long story short is I'm on my way to India and there's this lady that's seated beside me. And so I've got that first attitude of, I'm going to try and win them to Jesus so that they can transform the world. And so I'm seated beside them, and I've, I'm like, okay, I'm going in. I'm ready to, to, to do the deed, and I'm going to start talking. So I drum up a conversation with this lady, and we start talking. And I, I explain to her, we're going to help the people in India. We're going to go to villages. We're going to do all this, all this stuff. And she's like all ears about it. And then she pulls out her necklace, and she pulls out a pendant, and she's got a cross on it. And she's like, I believe in Jesus Christ. And then part of me is like, okay, I'm off the hook. We're all good. And then she pulls out another pendant and another pendant and another pendant, to which she says, there are multiple ways to heaven. There's, it's more than just Jesus Christ. At that point, I was like, oh, Lord, land this plane already. I want to get out of this place. And so even if we believe, that's when I first realized that even if we believe, we're in the camp that I'm about to read to you. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. The Bible says, good for you. Even the demons believe this, 
and they tremble in fear. It's not just enough to believe. And so every single week, Pastor Andrew gets up here or somebody, whoever's closing the service, will give you the opportunity and will say, if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And that's the truth. You believe in Jesus. You believe that you, uh, he, is, he is the Lord. You'll be saved. That is the truth. But I'm challenging you today. Move one step further. Move one step further in your spiritual journey. What Jesus did was he had, so Paul is saying, continue to follow him. Pastor Andrew is saying, follow Christ daily. So now we have to go back to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, if this whole thing about following you is following you, what do you mean when you say follow you? So in Luke 9, 23, it's on the screens, you can follow along. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If anyone wants, any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And I don't know about you, but for me, there are some hidden stains that I have in my past. And we think that because of what it is that either you have done or I have done, what we've said, what we've not done, because of that, we've been excluded from this group that says, if anyone. But the truth is, Jesus is saying, if any one of you. Anyone means everyone. Anyone means everyone. And so you're here today, and let me break down who anyone is. If you have a sexual past, Jesus is saying anyone. If you're an ex-con, he's saying anyone. If you're recently divorced, if you're a Republican or a Democrat, he's saying anyone. If you're an alcoholic or a pothead or a hypocrite or a thief, he's saying anyone. Every single morning, this is my realization, is that Jesus continues to extend an invitation to us to follow him. He did not come in busting heads and taking names, but every single time he did that. So when it comes down to denying ourselves, it's giving up our own way. And I don't know about you, but I've found that is, that is extremely difficult to give up my own way, to sacrifice and surrender because when we think about it, we give up our own way. We're going to go it, go it the way Jesus intended. It's counterculture. It's counterintuitive. It's counter easy street. It is a difficult thing to do for us to give up our own way. And it's not that Jesus is, he needs your time. It's not that he needs your money. It's not that he needs your worship. He's the author of time. He created it. He doesn't need your money. He spoke the universe into being with his voice. He doesn't need your worship, for the Bible says all creation will cry out. But what he does want, he just wants you. He just wants you. And I think about as a parent, we're in this season right now. Some of you are you're a grandparents, so you've got kids that have got kids, or maybe even that have, that have kids. Or you're here today that you're an empty nest. Maybe you're a young couple. Our stage right now, we're at a place where mom and dad to our kids, they look at us like they're our we're their heroes. And when we say that Jesus just wants you, he just wants to spend time with you, what I've found right now is the moment I stop walking and I either sit down or lay down, my kids, either one or all of them, will pile on and they'll sit with us and they'll be with us. They don't care about how much money I make. They don't care about the cars that I drive. They don't care about what my financial strategy is for our family, even though it's small. They don't care about a whole lot. All they care about is, Dad, will you just spend some time with me? And they'll crawl up on our lap, and they'll crawl up while we're taking a nap, and they'll just sit there, and they'll be there, and that's all that they care about. In the same breath, that's what Jesus is desiring of you. 
He wants you to follow him daily, but all he wants is you. This thing about your time and your money and your worship, that is an outward expression of what's happening inside your heart. And so when we make that declaration to live out our lives, it says this, I choose Jesus. I choose him over my family. I choose him over my money. I choose him over my career goals. I choose him over getting drunk or looking at porn. I choose him over redecorating my house. I choose him over my freedom. I choose him over what people may think of me. I choose him. Though it costs me everything, Jesus, I choose you. I'll be with you. I'll spend time with you. I'll get to know you. I'll understand and and experience what intimacy with you is all about. And so as we do this, we look to his disciples now. Okay, so we're looking at the very people that spent time literally with Jesus when he walked on this earth. This is what happened to them. Matthew was killed by a sword in Ethiopia. Mark died in Egypt after being dragged by horses through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hung in Greece. Peter was crucified upside down. Thomas was stabbed by a spear in India. Jude was killed by arrows. James was beheaded. And all those different things, as Jesus calls us to follow him daily, and you hear what happened to his closest people, doesn't it make you want to jump right in and sign right up and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm going to do this. It's amazing. And so as we deny ourselves, I'm, I'm confident you'll come into the realization of why you were created and why you're on this earth. And as you live this life of sacrifice and surrender and you put Jesus first, although you give everything up in your life, the truth is you will actually find life. Jesus is the only way and it's in him that we truly live and move and have our very being. And so I want, it is, I'm telling you, Denying ourselves daily is a difficult thing. But that means that as we follow him, you're going to have to carve out time. You're going to have to evaluate your priorities. You have to look at the circumstances and continue to put Christ first. The last point is this, is focus on your foundation. Focus on your foundation. Verse 7 said this. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Focusing on your foundation, this is something that only we come into realization and we think about a little bit more during the storms. When the storms happen in our lives, when things are happening with our kids, when things are happening in our marriage, when things are happening at work, when the storms of life happen, you begin to look at the foundation. When you look at your yard and you see trees kind of waving around, you're like, I hope the root system holds up. And as you focus on your foundation, I'm telling you, Jesus has got to be the center and the key. Paul had warned in, in a loving way. He was warning the church, hey, listen, be very careful that you, didn't get, you don't get caught up with the things of the day, the popular opinions of the day, the things that they're saying. Keep your foundation in Jesus at the center and at its core. And so as the seasons change, you're going to continue to be able to focus on that. And as I was growing up, I don't, I don't know if people here grow fruit trees or not. Do people grow fruit trees? I don't really see a whole lot of fruit trees. I don't know if we have the right climate or maybe I'm just not hanging around the right people. But growing up, there was fruit trees that my parents had in their yard. My parents were juggernauts when it came down to growing stuff. So they would um, grow these fruit trees and they would grow gardens and they would grow all kinds of vegetables. And even in our home, my mom would, I don't, I don't know the exact Indian word for this um, this plant, but it was basically curry leaves. And so when my mom would cook Indian food, she would take leaves off of this thing, throw it in the pot, and it would kind of give flavor to the food. 
but my mom would grow this plant like nobody's business. People, not that they would come to see the plant, they'd come to visit us, but this plant would grow to the ceiling and then it would kind of bend over the ceiling because she would grow it so large. And nowadays I'm thinking, you know, mom, there's stuff that's legal in Colorado. If you want to grow plants indoors, we can go places. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But as they did it, what I found was as we focus on the foundation, there is a fruit or or, or a crop that'll be produced and that fruit is for others to enjoy. When I see people like Alicia and O'Brien operating in their gifting, there is something that didn't just come because they are here to present something to you. There is a foundation that they have focused on. There is something that they have kept Jesus at the very center and from it now a fruit is being produced. In your life, fruit is going to be for other people to enjoy. When people would come to my parents' house, they would come in and that they would just enjoy the stuff. And I see people here that have gardens and do those different things and they'll share of the crop. God is, as you focus on your foundation, God is going to produce something inside you that you never even thought possible. And let other people partake of that particular fruit. When Paul said this, and I'm going to wrap up in just a moment. Paul had said, it's not that he was opposed to just hearing out what the philosophical views were. We don't want to section ourselves off and not be aware of what's going on in our society. But if, our fo- if we're following Christ daily and our foundation in Jesus is strong, we're going to hear these philosophies and these, these arguments that may seem right, but because you're in Jesus, he's saying don't allow those things to infiltrate your foundation on Jesus. And I'm telling you, in the times that we're living in, I didn't say this in the first service, but you know, I spent a couple of days in, in Toronto with Lindsay about a month ago. And I'm telling you, what's happening in Canada, the spiritual climate is becoming so cold that it's, it's almost as if it is resistant to the gospel. And to find a church that is like Clover Hill, and when I say like Clover Hill, that is life-giving, where you just sense the spirit of God. The very churches that I grew up in, they don't have it anymore. And it's rapidly changing. And what's happening now in this nation is it's not new to this planet. What's happening slowly in the nation is being seen in a, in a dramatic effort in Canada and also in other places like Europe. But what I'm saying is let's continue to keep our fire for God. If God is going to accomplish some great things in our country, it begins with his church. He's not looking to sinners. He's looking for people like you and me to carry that truth. Let me read this scripture. I'm going to invite you to stand. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing uh, a worship song. But this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like, the, like an expert builder. It's not on your own merit that you can build this foundation, but because of God's grace towards us. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So as we close today, that last verse that says this, I've told you, finish strong, focus on, follow Christ first, focus on your foundation. That last verse, that part of the verse that says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I know this is that the spirit of God is ready to do something great. And my prayer is for you that whenever you step into any environment, whether it's a 
solid one of Jesus Christ and it's your small group or it's your place of serving, whatever it may be, or you step into the workplace or you step into the community, wherever you step, wherever you place your feet, that you would begin to take territory that belongs to the kingdom of God, that you would push back the darkness when you step into those places. The way we do that, we follow Christ daily. The way we do that, we focus on our foundation in him. There is no other way. We don't create a hybrid of anything else but Jesus himself. My prayer is, is that you will not fall in love with Clover Hill. You will not fall in love with the leadership team. You will not fall in love with your small group. You will not fall in love with anything but Jesus himself. And I believe that he's going to accomplish great things. It's a, it's a critical year. It's a critical year for our country. But I'm not depending on the election. And I'm not depending on our foreign policy. And I'm not depending on our domestic policy. I'm depending on Jesus. And I believe that he wants to accomplish something great. Amen. This season, I, I, wanted, I don't normally get an opportunity like this on a Sunday, but I've kind of shaped the message in a way that would give me an opportunity to just pray for you. And I would love the honor of being able to do that. And so I don't want to pray for you as like a corporate gathering. Mark had done an, a, an amazing job earlier, but I want to pray for you specifically. And as we respond today, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And I just want to invite those of you that want to respond to this message. It might be one of you. It might be dozens of you. But I, I, you have my word. I want to pray for each and every one of you. You fall into one of those three areas. Maybe you're yet to believe and you want to believe. Today, something is stirring in you. It's not my enticing words. It's the spirit of God that's drawing you in close to his side. And you want to believe today. I believe that Jesus wants to accomplish something great in you. Maybe you're at the place of believing, but you've never really truly followed Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't understand or have ever experienced what intimacy with Jesus is about. And you want to be prayed for. I want to speak into your life. Maybe you've been following him. And maybe it's been a little bit dry. Maybe you just need that awakening once again. Maybe you want to hear his voice as it relates to something. As the worship team kind of just heads, at the moment that they start, if that is you, would you just make your way to the front? I'm believing that our best days are ahead. I'm believing that as we focus on Jesus, much will be accomplished. If that's you, would you just step forward and come up?